It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Politics is downstream of culture. Remember when Andrew Breitbart told us that? Time and time and time again, God rest his soul, Andrew Breitbart would say, politics is downstream of culture. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it means. The things your eyes see and your ears hear, the mind will believe. It's true. And we don't like to think about ourselves in that way, right? We don't like to think about that because what's it make us feel? Kind of sounds weak. You're not going to show me something and change my mind. I'm not going to listen to that. I won't change my mind. No, you will. The truth is, what you consume, you will become. It doesn't just apply to food. What you consume, you will become. There is a reason. The Soviets, long, long, long time ago, when they were sending spies over here, you know, back before the Soviet Union fell and all that, when they were sending spies and, and agents over here, there's a reason they were so interested in Hollywood. You know, you picture a Soviet agent, what do you picture? You know, he's, he's, he's sneaking into the CIA at night to bug the director's office. They didn't have to sneak into the CIA at night to bug the director's office. If you want to destroy America, the communists knew Hollywood's the best place to go. Why? Because your guard's not up when you're watching these things. And when you watch movies, when you watch sitcoms, 
you are learning values. You're learning the things your culture values. You're learning it all the time. All the time. You just don't know it. I've used this example before, and it's 100% true. When I was a child, we used to have family come over to the house. A bunch of extended family, cousins and whatnot. And once we were all done playing outside, you know, run around, hide and seek, all these other things, once it got dark, they'd bring us all in, and all the kids would go down to the basement, and we'd watch Friday nights. I believe it was a ABC, I think was the channel. It was, thank God it's Friday, TG, TGIF Fridays on ABC. And you know what we'd watch? We'd watch Full House and Family Matters. Full House was a show where the three dads were, 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 were buddies, and they were trying to raise the two girls, and it was always, this is right and this is wrong. And, and Family Matters was the show of, you know, husband, wife. I think they had three kids. He was a cop, and every show was what? Of course, there's funny things throughout, but it's, this is right and this is wrong. That was then. You and I have to wake up to the fact you can't put your kids in front of ABC on Friday nights anymore. You can't put your kids in front of Nickelodeon anymore. Why? They're not teaching right from wrong, not the way you understand it. These people now, they're trying to pour rotted out filth into the minds of you and your children. You think you're safe now with things like Disney? I mean, you remember what Disney was when we were kids, right? It's Mickey Mouse, Lion King. It's Disney, right? Right and wrong. You know what Disney is now? Disney fired Gina Carano for nothing. Disney, they took the Marvel character, Loki. And this is a bigger deal than you think. And they chose to make him gender fluid. Now, let me pause for a brief moment on the Loki thing and why I say that's a big deal. I can't speak for girls, but I know boys, young boys. They love superheroes. I mean, who didn't want to be Spider-Man or Superman or the Incredible Hulk or something? And these new Avenger, Avenger movies are so popular and they shatter all these records. Why? Because boys want to go watch movies about superheroes. And that's good. You should want to know about superheroes. And superheroes teach you right and wrong and good and bad. And So when they take a very popular one and they make him gender fluid, you may roll your eyes for a moment and forget about it. They're being very, very purposeful with what they're trying to pour into your mind in the mind of your children. It goes way beyond that. They brought back proud, uh, the Proud Family Show with gay dads, of course. Remember, everything I'm reading you right here, this is aimed at your children. Aimed at your children. What did they pull? Well, they pulled things like Peter Pan, Dumbo, and the aristocrats warning about stereotypes. And it's not just, look, it's not just Disney. You know the show Rugrats? I'm sure you saw it. If, if, look, if, even if you've never seen it, you could, you could picture an image of the show Rugrats. Yeah, one of their characters, Betty, had to announce that she's a lesbian now. Why? What, why would that, what, why? Where does that come from? Well, the communists have always understood something that we on the right have failed to acknowledge and failed to embrace. What your eyes see and your ears hear, the mind believes. And remember, we've talked about this a bunch on the show. When it comes to communists, they don't look at your kids the way you look at other people's kids. Because you're a normal human being, you look at other people's kids and you say to yourself, okay, not my business, whatever. I mean, if you, what, do you, what do you do when your kid encounters another rude kid? Well, son, just ignore him. You know, 
That's just how he's raised, not our business. Communists don't look at kids like that. Communists look at your kids and they say to themselves, they should be ours. How do we take them away? How do we steal them away so we can teach them our values? Communists have always been this way from Lenin on down, Mao, all of them. They all look at kids and know that's, that's not a precious child. That's not a, you know, God-breathed precious child. What that is, that's the future. If I can manipulate them, I can manipulate the future. That's why they're watching things like this and Blue's Clues. Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big It's bad enough if it's just on TV. That is specifically aimed at children. And understand this. When they sit down to write that episode, they know kids are going to be watching it. But this is the part that's going to floor you because this is, this is the mentality you and I can't relate to. But we have to understand this is how these people think. Because it's not a political ideology to them, because it's a religion, a religion of domination, you have to accept they approach this as if it's their God. Meaning when they sit down, they got a blank piece of paper and they sit down, let's, let's write an episode of Blues, Blues Clues here. It would never occur to them not to put this stuff in there. It would never even occur to them. They can't set it aside any more than you can set aside your God. That's how committed they are. And they go after kids repeatedly. And they go after... Look, I'm making this mainly about kids. The truth is they go after you repeatedly, too. It's not only kids who are pliable. You and I are, too. The stuff we consume, it affects us. You don't like to think of yourself that way. Neither do I. I'm hard as nails. Nothing affects me. No. The music I listen to for 45 minutes on the way to work affects me. Affects my feelings. Affects my mood. The things I watch with my eyes when I get home, if I put my feet up, turn something on, it affects me. It affects my mood. But back to the kids thing. You remember that rapper Lil Nas X with that, you know, that song, what was that song, Old Town Road? And he went around to all these schools and he's out there performing Old Town Road and he's doing stuff for the kids and kids programs and kids this and kids that. And I saw him on stage at a school and all the kids are dancing for the kids. What was Lil Nas X's ne next thing? Don't worry, we're going to edit this for you. You don't, have to, you don't have to turn away. Well, he was giving a lap dance to Satan. I'm, I'm not making that up. They don't do this stuff on accident. It would never occur to them not to do it. Your kids are not precious beings, precious innocent souls who should be guided and guarded and protected to them. Your kids are on the dinner menu. Your kids are simply resources to be used and consumed. That's how they look at children. You and I have to accept this or we're never, we're never going to take over. We're never going to take this culture back. When you have a new movie coming out, 
this new Fast and the Furious 1000 or whatever it is. And John Cena, one of the biggest stars in the country, makes the horrible mistake of saying Taiwan and then gives this apology in Mandarin that should tell you all you need to know. Don't make the mistake we've made a thousand times. And look, you're not alone. I've made this mistake too. You, you see some video clip of an award show and some hot little pop star gets up there. And ah, I love abortion. And you roll your eyes and you say to yourself, oh, no one cares what she thinks. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Go look at your Instagram follower count and look at hers. Yes, they do. People care what Hollywood actors and actresses say and do. They care what's in the movies. Even if they don't think they care, they care. This stuff does matter a lot. And we are never going to take this country back if we can't take back our entertainment system. You're going to enjoy this, this Planet Wokeism special tonight as we go over the things your eyes are seeing and the things your ears are hearing. We have some great guests. We'll be back. Well, this is a, spe a special treat for me because I used to watch this guy's shows, mainly Hercules, when I was a kid. It was one of my favorites. My mom would actually let me watch it. She didn't let me watch much on TV. Joining me now is actor Kevin Sorbo, one of the good ones out there. Kevin, I just have to get this out right off the bat. I understand it's immature, but be honest. We've had your lovely wife on a couple times. Do you ever insist that she refer to you as Hercules just to get a rise out of her? No, I tell her she has to refer to me as as Her Majesty. Uh, that's really about <laughs> it. <so. laughs> okay. You, I, you had to make you had to make the reference that you watched me as a kid because it just reconfirms the fact I'm getting older. It's weird now when I do these autograph shows because I shot Hercules for seven years while I was in my 30s. And now, of course, the show finished 20 years ago. So now I'm meeting parents that were like 14 years old and the show was on the air and now they got their own kids. So it's just like... Yeah, the years do slip by awfully fast, don't they? But, you know, I've shot a lot of things since then. I got three movies out this summer, just so you know. The, well, they do slip by, I know, because I just wrestled with my sons in the living room the other day. I haven't been able to walk right for three days because apparently I'm not 20 years old anymore. I'm getting a little gray. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> I want to play you this clip from Sonny Huston of The View, who I'm not a big fan of anyway, but I thought it was so revealing of what the inter entertainment industry has become, sadly. Sure. I don't agree with this term cancel culture. I, I, I think this is about consequences, consequence culture. Um, and, you know, there are consequences, I think, to things that he said. And this is just sort of not the, the first time that he has made his opinion known. I mean, he at one point, I think, uh, called uh, Rachel Lindsay angry when, when she says, in fact, she was just sort of sticking up for herself, sort of leaning into that angry black woman trope. They're just 
needs a lot of work to be done when it comes in this country to race relations and learning the true history of this country. And um, Chris Harrison is, is one person that needs to do this work. The other thing that I want to say um, is, you know, when it comes to this franchise, the host is someone that needs to make everyone feel very comfortable. Uh, the couples feel comfortable. The contestants feel comfortable. And I don't know that he is, at this point, the right person to do that. Kevin, doesn't Hollywood realize this woke oh. culture garbage is its own suicide? If for no other reason than it's boring. It, it, things are so boring now because of all this garbage. Well, it's showing up in their award shows. Nobody watches the Oscars or the Emmys or the, you know, Golden Globes anymore. They just had their most lowest ratings ever uh, in the last year's Oscar. I think it was 9 million. They used to get 50 million and a billion people around the world. People are tired of it. People, look at it. Comedians don't even want to go out and do uh, colleges anymore because they're afraid of, oh, we'll get attacked for offending people. Well, that's what comics do. It's, I mean, could Don Rickles have a career in today's world? I mean, it's everything <laughs> is... This, you know, it never used to be this bad until now. It was bad back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and before. I get it. I get it. I know that stuff. We know the history there. I, I, I look at it now, and it's like it's a purposeful thing, and it started with President Obama, and it just has been kicking off since then. I've never seen such a racial divide in my lifetime. Uh, I know from, you know, my parents and before that, from the 50s and 60s, certainly, they were talking about it, but... The world we're living in now is just crazy. You, everybody's looking to be offended. Everybody's looking to be angry. Everybody's looking to try to create a bigger divide between the races and the cultures and the religions. And it's just like to the point is just going enough already. When are we going to say just stop this ridiculousness? You're right about Obama, 100% right about Obama, sure. but I haven't been able to wrap my mind around why. I understand he was a president and president's influential and whatnot, and he embraced all that, but it was. It was like he got elected and just somebody snapped the light bulb and the country lost its mind. Why? What did he usher in? Well, I, I still remember before he got elected, he said, they said, you know, we're going to fundamentally transform America. And I thought of going, okay, what is that supposed to mean? Um, if somebody was about to get married and their spouse said to them just before they walked down the aisle, oh, by the way, honey, once we're married, I'm going to fundamentally transform you. You're going to see a lot of runaway brides and runaway grooms, I'll tell you right now, because it's like, what do you mean? I mean, this, this country was, number one, was founded on individuals. It wasn't founded on big government. And our government now just keeps getting bigger and bigger. They want total control of our lives from cradle to grave. They know it's right for the masses. They live like capitalists. Let's face it, they do. They got big houses, big cars. They get, I mean, you know, they get to uh, travel around the world and do all these things. But they they know what's right for you and what's right for me. And that's uh, uh, pretty much harking about what happened during uh, during Russians' reign during the Cold War. Because I've been to the Eastern European countries. And I'll tell you one thing. All the money is in the political buildings. It wasn't left for the people. The people were left to scrounge around and wait in three-hour bread lines. And look what we're doing now. I mean, look at the COVID fear factor. Fear is an amazing weapon. And government doesn't want to waste a good crisis now, do they? And before you knew it, we saw people fighting over toilet paper, for crying out loud. I mean, it's just crazy what we're doing to people. And it's crazy what people are letting the government allow to do to them. We need to remember, and we don't teach civics in school anymore, we need to remember that it's we the people, and the government doesn't want you to know that. The education system doesn't want you to know that this government is supposed to be run by the people, not by these bozos that we put in office. And we need to get the term limits, and that we the people need to make sure nobody gets more than six to eight years in office anymore in any level of any government. 
is so outstanding. All right, I, I do want to ask you this. Why are you so outspoken? And the reason I, the reason I ask is this. <laughs> it's easy for me, because I get paid to, to talk about this stuff, and that's, that's what I feel anyway. It's easy for me to get up here and rant about our idiotic COVID lockdowns like you just did. It's not easy for you. Every time you open your mouth and say these things, I have no doubt in some way you're losing money because your field doesn't welcome that, yet you do it anyway. Why? Well, because it's, you know, it's the truth. I mean, eventually we got to tell the truth. And they, they fear the truth. The left fears the truth. They don't like the light. They want to live in the darkness. The light, when you expose who they are, and everything they say, you look at Antifa, they say they're against fascism. They are the fascists but they call themselves Antifa. It's all about projection to put it back out on you and me that we're the bad guys out here. And people get, you know, the, the school systems from kindergarten to universities now are indoctrinating our kids and they're being raised to hate America. You know what? Nobody's taking boats from Key West to Cuba. There's a reason for that. No Americans are rushing to across the border into, into Mexico. It's the other way around. Nobody's moving down to Venezuela. I just had an Uber driver yesterday from Venezuela coming back from the airport, and he told me how horrible it is down there. And that country at one time was the most powerful country in the Southern Hemisphere. Look what happened. Ronald Reagan said it best. He said, we are no, we are no further than one generation away from losing all our freedoms. And look what we're doing to the country right now. People are just ignorant. They're uneducated. They have no idea what they're talking about. And they have no idea what they want to live in. They need to go live in Cuba, North Korea, Venezuela. Have all these socialists that love, uh, that want, hate America. Go live in those countries for a year. They'll be running back to this country saying, I'm sorry, trust me. And you're right. I say anything on Twitter. They, I get attacked by people saying, I hope you die. I hope your daughter gets raped. I mean, they say stuff like this. How come they get to stay up on Twitter? Meanwhile, Facebook took me down about two months ago because I was posting the truth about what other doctors were saying about the wearing masks. I was posting the truth about what other people were saying about voter fraud, and yet I'm the one who gets taken down. It's Everything's upside down right now. It certainly is. I, I brought up earlier when we first started this things I used to watch when I was a kid. And one of the things I was allowed to watch when I was a kid was Nickelodeon. I mean, it was basically you know, cartoons, right and wrong, heroes, things like that. It was normal things. Well, I want to play this for you. I'm sure you've seen it. This is what's on Nickelodeon now. Maybe blue, pink, and white represent transgender people because every letter in LGBTQ plus is equal. And black and brown represent the queer and trans people of color. Doesn't it just fill you with pride showing who you are? Well, what happened? How, how is this happening so here, fast? Here, here's the thing. I've been in Hollywood 35 years. I work with gay people all the time. I honestly don't do I get along with them fine. I don't care what people do in their personal lives. I really don't. It doesn't offend my life, offend me, doesn't offend my lifestyle. What I do behind closed doors, you know, is my business too. So it's, it's weird to me that we have to sit there and force this down people's throats over and over again. I think that's what helps create some of this resentment out there. From, from people in religious groups, people who are straight. People, I think people get to a point, they get a little bit tired of being force fed this over and over again. It's a small percentage of the population that's transgender. Fine, put them in movies, put them in, put them on TV shows or something like that. But the fact that we're doing it more than the percentage of what they represent again, is a little bit weird to me. It's like in the gay world too. I, got, I, I know people who are gay. I know people who are trans, I know, I know Caitlyn Jenner. You know, so it's like I've golfed, I've golfed with her, him many times. I knew, I knew her as him for many, many years. I've known 25 years. I knew him as Bruce Jenner. Um, 
I, what people want to do in their personal lives is, is I, I don't care. But I, what I get tired of is this constant sort of reinforcing saying that because I'm straight, I'm a bad person. I'm the bad guy here. I'm not saying they're bad people at all. And I'm not trashing them at all. Yet just because of me being a straight male, that makes me, number one, a homophobe, makes me, number two, a racist. Makes It's just automatic. I mean, it's just to the point now you just kind of shake your head and go, what is wrong with our country? What is wrong with our world that we just can't, you know? It's corny, but I'll take, you know, Rodney King saying, why can't we just get along? You know, So it's weird to me that we're, what we're doing out there to people right now, we're doing this country with yeah. all these attacks and all this anger and hate. And, you know, you look at what's going on in terms of people even wanting to get jobs in America right now. Our government is paying people more money than to not, not do anything. We just keep printing money. I mean, look at the inflation rate that's going to be hitting us down the road here. I, I just look at what's going on with that more than anything. A friend of mine just went to Hawaii recently. He said the, the hotel was 75% understaffed. Nobody wants to you know, make the beds anymore because the government in Hawaii is paying, I heard, $65,000 to not come to work. Well, you get a family of adults living in a one house, 65 times five, they're doing okay. They're doing okay. Kevin Sorbo, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate you. Big fan. My pleasure. Three movies coming out. Go to kevinsorbo.net. Kevinsorbo.net. All right. We'll be back. Remember what we've talked about throughout this show. Don't make that mistake of seeing the Hollywood actor say something stupid or, or the new movie studio push something idiotic and saying to yourself, nobody cares what those guys think. Yes, they do. Entertainment, the entertainment in a culture is critically important to deciding the direction of the culture. It's part of the reason I'm such a big fan of our next guest. His name is David Ng. He is the Breitbart Hollywood and technology guy. David, major Hollywood studios push gun control initiative funded by Mike Bloomberg. Now, I think I know the answer, but how is Bloomberg and Hollywood connected? What, what happened here? Right. So uh, this weekend, um, uh, an organization that Mike Bloomberg funds called Everytown uh, pushed this kind of initiative uh, where everyone would wear orange. And it was an initiative that was picked up not only by Hollywood celebrities, but also by major studios. And we're talking about the really big ones like Warner Media, uh, Bad Robot, which is run by J.J. Abrams. It produced Alias and Lost and Mission Impossible movies. Um, and a lot of uh, TV stations as well, a lot of them owned by, by Viacom CBS. So you have the major players pushing this gun control initiative, but they don't say, of course, that it's funded by Bloomberg. They're just kind of pushing it out there, saying that, you know, we need to, to end gun violence, we need to end, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, shoot mass shootings. But they're not saying, they're not being uh, forthright with the public. They're telling the public that this is a kind of a grassroots effort when in fact it is being funded by Mike Bloomberg, who has an agenda. And his agenda is for Joe Biden to act via executive order to basically enact gun restrictions, to basically uh, infringe on people's Second Amendment rights. So that is kind of like the end game, but it's being masked by this kind of, uh, kind of feel-good uh, public promotion um, that you know, people are pushing, people are pushing on their kids, people are pushing in schools. And, you know, the Hollywood's effort is really, really kind of like the beachhead in this in terms of it's kind of getting it out there in the culture in, the, in a really major way. 
David, all right, I have to ask, because I think these details are important. What Did the Hollywood studios see his effort and simply say, I like that because I'm a crazy communist and I love gun control? Did Bloomberg pay them to do it? Does Bloomberg partially own these studios? I'm just trying to understand how the spider web works. That's a very good question. And um, I think what we can safely say is that um, a lot of these efforts kind of come through um, this kind of nexus in Hollywood that is a nexus between the talent agencies and the publicity firms that all act kind of in concert. Um, a lot of the most powerful talent agencies in Hollywood have major connections to Democrats, to people like Mike Bloomberg, um, who are very powerful and who have powerful connections into the industry. And these talent agencies kind of put out their message to their clients, um, to their uh, compatriots in the studios. And that's how it works. It, it's not something that is uh, official in any way, but it kind of works through association. That's kind of like the way Hollywood and government and Washington kind of work hand in hand. Um, and when I say government, of course, I mean um, the Democrats because they're really, really, really plugged into Hollywood. So that's how it works. You know, you have someone powerful like Mike Bloomberg kind of leaning on powerful people like the talent agencies, like the publicity firms, who really pull the strings in Hollywood. And that's how they get political messages disseminated into the public like that. David, how does it work as far as who leads this? Now, maybe you disagree with me, but I'm of the belief that you take a group of 100 people, you'll have one or two leaders in there. So is that the case in Hollywood? Is it the head of one of the production studios? Is it uh, an actor? Like Leonardo DiCaprio, everybody remembers he was all over HR1, as if that idiot even knows anything about HR1, but he was all over it. And then once he pushed it, a bunch of people started pushing it. Is it an actor who leads it? Is it? Are there four or five guys who David Ng could name who are really leading the charge with all this leftist garbage? Yeah, I think in terms of a, a lot of uh, the kind of political messaging that's coming out of Hollywood, you have very powerful people at the head of two talent agencies specifically, and they are UTA and CAA. And they kind of pull a lot of the political strings. A lot of these talent agencies have political divisions whose sole job is for political messaging and for serving the needs of political clients. And so the political arms of these agencies kind of work together with the, uh, with the celebrities, with the studio heads, uh, to push these messages. Now, there are some studio executives who are kind of like their own man. So like J.J. Abrams, for example. He is someone who is very progressive. Um, he runs his own studio, so he really, really only answers to himself. So in cases like that, I think, it's really a kind of personal mission for him. But I think in the case of a lot of celebrities, it's the talent agencies who are really pushing on them to kind of get this message out. And the message of gun control is, of course, a very popular one in, in, in Hollywood. And something that, of course, is, is very hypocritical of them as well, because so many of these talent agencies, so many of these studios make a lot of money off of violent movies, off of movies with gun, guns in them. Um, so it's, it's something that, it, you know, is, is, is very hypocritical on their part. Um, but it's very beneficial to them as well, because uh, for the celebrity, it's, it's good PR. And that's what they're looking for, um, to get in with their, the people who pull the strings in Hollywood, but also with the public, uh, and especially young people, who are very susceptible to this kind of messaging. That's what I was going to ask you. So all this else aside, I mean, let's say J.J. Abrams has a Soviet flag hanging in his living room, which he very well may. I don't know. 
But yeah. setting that aside, it all comes down to money at some point, right? I mean, even J.J. Abrams has a profit-loss sheet, and if the money isn't there, then he's not going to be J.J. Abrams very much longer. Has Hollywood seen its bottom line hurt by going left? Because if they haven't, all this is for naught anyway. It's a good question. I think they're starting to, because I think people are starting to, um, to push back on a lot of this really aggressive messaging. And I think the, the, the shift to streaming media where people aren't really going to the movies as much as they used to um, is really also hurting them as well. So I think, yes, the answer to your question is yes, I think it is hurting them. But I think in the long term, it's, it's, it's something that they are going to fight tooth and nail against because um, they see their future not here in the United States so much, but overseas. Um, most blockbuster movies make most of their money overseas, specifically China. So I think... Um, they're less concerned about offending conservatives, offending people to the right of center. Um, that They really don't really care about them anymore. I think they, they've set their sights overseas on audiences in other countries as the source of their future revenue. Okay, I'm glad you brought up China because I wanted to ask that. And again, I'm going to ask a general question you can't possibly answer, but whatever, I'm going to try anyway. Okay, let's yeah. say there is a blockbuster, a new Avengers movie, whatever. There's a blockbuster out that's going to make a fortune. Everyone knows it's going to make a fortune. What are the percentages as far as money they make in America versus Europe versus China? Are they making 90% of their money in, in China? What are the percentages? That's a very, very good question, and it's very complex, but I'll boil it down for you. Um, so for a movie like uh, like the Avengers or for like you know a Fast and Furious movie, for example, um, I would say like generally speaking that uh, these kinds of movies make slightly more money in China than they do in the United States. So that might break down to about thirty percent uh, of their total worldwide revenue might come from China versus twenty five percent in the United States. Um, now that's a very complex question because China withholds a lot of money from the studios. So what they are getting at the box office in China may not be what they get at the end of the day. So China plays really fast and loose with the rules, and they uh, they withhold a lot more money than what is being reported in the media. But what Hollywood thinks is that its future is in China, um, when the reality is much more complicated than that. It, the fact is that right now, as we're speaking, Hollywood needs China more than China needs Hollywood. If you look at the top 10 grossing movies in China right now, Eight out of ten of them are domestic. Um, these are homegrown movies, homegrown blockbusters. They tend to be, you know, sci-fi movies, or they tend to be kind of like propagandistic military historical movies. Uh, these are the movies that are really grossing a lot of money in China, not the Avengers, not you know the the Transformer movies. So China has really, really, um, I think, uh, weaned itself off of Hollywood, and it's Hollywood that needs China more. At this moment it's kind of like um being in an abusive relationship you could say david ng you always bring it man thank you so much please come back soon yeah no problem how about that we all got smarter now i'm going to take all that information i'm going to repeat it all on my shows tomorrow and act like i came up with it see that's how this, that's how this job is done i'm kidding we'll be back <laughs> It's
in America's North Korea, the Sunshine State, from time to time, we enjoy taking a look at what's going on. And tonight, we are doing it again in a Governor DeSantis edition of This Week in Florida. I am proud to be here today in the Everglades as we kick off registration for the 2021 Python Challenge. Participants who remove the most pythons and who capture the longest pythons will receive prizes. <laughs> Unfortunately, all the prizes are pythons, so it's a, it's a pythonathon going on there in Florida. We have a good show for tonight. Michael Che and... Oh, comedy. Joining me now to talk about comedy and the state of entertainment in this country, comedian Josh Denny. Josh... I have no issue with people lampooning either side of the political aisle with comedy. I think it's great. I, I remember Matt Damon's uh, Brett Kavanaugh skiff on, uh, skit on SNL. Everyone on the right hated it. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was well done. My problem is that's not funny. I mean, you're the stand-up comedian here, but it's not funny anymore. It's just kind of hacky and lame, and Jimmy Kimmel used to be hilarious. Yeah, and remember back on The Man Show, you know, he was a pretty, yeah. he was a pretty funny dude, and, and it just, it's... You know, it's it's kind of a strange thing where there are a lot of comedians now who, because of the gigs they have, they've become completely indoctrinated to the propaganda. And so funny takes a back seat to getting the right corporately, you know, corporate sponsored messaging out. Yeah, you know, I wanted to ask you about that because you do this for a living. And I realize that has to be a minefield at this point in time. But if, if you're Jimmy Kimmel, I, I don't care if he's a full-blown communist, but doesn't it, doesn't it make more money for himself and corporate America if it kind of goes both ways? Wouldn't that kind of capture everybody? Well, the problem is that these companies aren't actually waiting to see what, you know, the consumers are responding to. I mean, you look at the Gina Carano cancellation. It's like they pulled the trigger on that so fast and then found out that it was actually the opposite of what their consumers wanted, and they lost over a million subscribers, you know, in the windfall of that. So it's kind of weird. It's almost like they're throwing the financial responsibilities to the wayside. Um, and, and I do believe, just from my experience in dealing with television executives and network executives, that these people think that they determine what the consumer wants uh, for them. And so they have no respect for, you know, what the average person really thinks or what the average person really believes. They think it's their job to tell them what the truth is. And, and that, you know, like I said, that's the priority and everything else takes a backseat to that. Is that, Josh, is that a Hollywood, th like, is that a Hollywood thing or a show business thing? Or is that just an arrogant college kid thing? It's, that's, that's what it sounds like. Every snot-nosed guy I've ever known that had a PhD or master's degree thought the same thing, that he was really the lord of the world, and he would just educate you on what you should be thinking. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of all three, right? I think, you know, the college, the, the, the world of college is sort of where it begins in terms of the liberal indoctrination. And then I think just about everybody who ends up on the business side in Hollywood, you know, if you trace the lineage of a lot of these people, a lot of them are either Ivy League educated or their parents were Ivy League educated. They're very wealthy. And, you know, they believe it's their job as the smarter, more financially successful part of society to steer the rest of you know, our culture. And so that's why you see a lot of these things where it's sort of like left hand not talking to the right hand. I mean, who is Hollywood speaking to anymore? You look at some of these shows, like there's a new show on Showtime from a, a YouTube personality called Z-Way, and the punchline of every joke is how horrible white people are. And it's sort of like, who who is that for? Is that for the, 
you know, 5% of the 12% of African Americans that agree with that. I mean, they're, they're not even playing to a market anymore. They're sort of just believing that if they build this narrative that the market will follow. And, and I think we're about to find out that it's not going to. What are, what kind of reception do you get? Because you're the one, I mean, I, I want people to understand this. I've always respected stand-up comedians just because it's hard to stand up in front of a crowd, everyone's staring at you saying, make me laugh, and it's hard to then perform. And now yeah. you have to worry about PC culture while you do it. Are, are you making the right joke, but the funny joke, and your timing's got to be off. How is it for you now? Is it better? Is it worse? Are you finding a hungry audience just say something inappropriate or what? Yeah, the, P the funny thing is, is all of this sort of cancel culture and this PC sort of um, censoring culture, it all exists online. When you go into the real comedy clubs, those people are down for anything. They're starved <laughs> for, you know, material that's risque, that kind of rocks the boat a little bit, that, you know, challenges some of things that are happening in the mainstream. So, you know, I find that in the live comedy space, it's the best it's ever been in my, you know, 15-year career in terms of the people that actually buy tickets and go to shows. You know, they want comedy the way we all grew up loving it, which is no holds barred and and everybody's a potential target. Yeah, who who can forget guys like Don Rickles and I mean the, the legend Richard Pryor. I mean, Richard Pryor wouldn't last for five seconds out there today. Actually, that reminds me. Play this clip of Chris Rock, please. What happens is everybody gets safe. Right. And when everybody gets safe and nobody tries anything, things get boring. Right. Absolutely. So I see a lot of unfunny comedians. I see unfunny TV shows. I see unfunny award shows. I see unfunny movies. Because <laughs> no one's, everybody's scared to like, you know, make a move. You know, and that's not a place to be. You got a place where people are scared to talk. That's not, you know, especially in America, you're scared to talk. Ah. Okay, well. What's weird is I've seen Chris Rock participate in that kind of stuff before. I, I, I get mixed messages from these people all the time of, of you know, white people are the devil and, and Republicans suck and all this other. And then it's, whoa, why is everyone being so safe? Do these people even know what they believe? Yeah, I, I think it kind of blows in the wind with whatever the, you know, the, the popular sentiment is the time. I, I think what you're seeing, too, is. They, they serve a lot of different masters, and so sometimes I think these guys forget who they're talking to. Are you talking to Hollywood executives, or are you talking to the public? It's very interesting. You see this stuff happen with Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, um, depending on the audience. If you put them in front of a real comedy, free speech, you know, um, liberty-centered audience, they're all about art, and they're all about the freedom of expression. You, you put them on a talk show on The View, um, where they have, you know, sponsors to pander to, and they're... <clears throat> their uh, Hollywood friends to pander to, their sentiments change almost overnight. So, And I think people are doing a good job of keeping score of that. I think they're starting to smell, you know, who's really authentic and, and who's playing to their own wallet. Yeah, that stuff, that stuff always comes out in the end. How long do you think we're going to have to wait until there's a backlash when it comes to this stuff? What I mean by that is, I mean, you can be the corporate millionaire, snot-nosed jerk, who thinks he knows it all now. But at some point in time, that profit loss sheet says you better start being interesting. Are we approaching that time? Yeah, I think you're going to have to see. I mean, this is the unfortunate thing is that COVID has financially bailed out a lot of people from their own bad decisions. So it's sort of like we saw a lot of bad business practices coming out of the housing crisis, the crash in 2008, 2009, and a lot of bad executives for companies were able to say, well, you know, it's the economy. 
it's the economy. They're doing the same thing with COVID now. They're going, well, the shutdown is what's hurting our business. It's not our mismanagement or our complete uh, lack of ability to be in touch with the consumer. And so I think it's going to be another year or two before people realize, oh, no, this isn't COVID. This is your horrible decision making that's completely out of touch with the everyday person. And people aren't watching because of competition or economy they're they're not watching because you're not making anything good with interesting people anymore josh can you teach funny or is it one of those things either god gave it to you or he didn't yeah it, it can't be taught i mean you can teach people the mechanisms and everything but it's like listen there are guys who can learn how to pitch and there are guys who are born to pitch right and at the end of the day um you know technical ability can only take somebody so far if they don't have the raw talent and i think there's that's never more prevalent than in comedy i mean we've all seen somebody who's learned how to tell jokes who's not very funny and we've seen people who are incredibly naturally funny who don't know anything about the technical prowess of telling jokes and they can carry an hour just riffing and you know it's like jazz you know and there are people who are great musicians but they could never play jazz and uh, comedy is really, to me, the last form of jazz we have in, uh, in entertainment, aside from jazz itself, I guess. What are you doing on Locals? Uh, Locals is cool, man. I, I, do a, uh, I do a podcast there pretty regularly um, called The Wake Up Call, which is, you know, topics like this. We talk about current events and culture and politics and, um, you know, and really... Uh, the kind of split we have in culture now where it's almost like the extremes of both sides are really, um, you know, creating all kinds of problems for people that are pro-liberty, pro-freedom. I mean, there's also this kind of weird puritanical side of the right that's kind of creeping up. And, you know, my concern with every pendulum is oftentimes when it swings back, we overcorrect in the first place. And um, so I, I think as a comedian, it's my responsibility to kind of keep everybody in the guardrails and make sure we don't get too crazy on both ends. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's it's amazing to me how many people are, you know, kind of waking up to a more conservative sort of libertarian ideology of like, I want to be left alone and I want my freedoms. And, you know, right now we live in a culture and, and, and are participating in a government that is doing everything they can to remind you that you have no freedoms. Josh Denny, everybody. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. We'll be back. You are not a block of granite. Your eyes... The things they consume, it matters. The things that go in your ears matter. And your kids, too. I know this stinks. I Look, as a parent, everybody knows this feeling. Don't listen to parents who act like super parents. Everybody knows the feeling. Long day at work, sat down, had dinner, homework done. And you just want to be done for the night, right? I want to go. Look, look, this is my thing. I want to go watch a World War II documentary. Kids, go watch TV. We can't do that anymore. Those days are gone. They're after your kids. That television set, unless you're sitting there monitoring it, that television set is a portal for the communists. They want your kids and you consuming as much of their disgusting filth 
as humanly possible, and they're going to keep pouring it into your eyes and ears until we do something about it. Let us be more purposeful going forward. I'll see you next time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.